This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. I hope your week is off to a good start and your weekend was a good one. And uh, today we are honored to have Chancery Court Judge uh, Troy Odom back on the show. Um, he has been a frequent guest and, and always adds so much to the conversation. And, and you know, and I think he's really uh, been a great resource for our listeners. And Judge Odom, good morning. You know, uh, please tell us a little bit about your background and how you became a judge. Good morning, Miss Gill, Mr. Gershon. Uh, I am a Rankin County Chancery Court Judge, 20th Chancery Court District. I was elected by the uh, good people of Rankin County back in 2018 and have enjoyed serving as Chancery Court Judge for the last three and a half years and looking forward to uh, it's an election year for judges. Uh, let's make sure everybody remembers that the judges will be on the ballot this year. It will be important to go back to the uh, polls um, and look forward to serving, serving some more for the people of Rankin County. Well, when they do vote for, for Chancery Court Judge, would you please remind them you know, what Chancery Court uh, actually handles, what kind of cases you handle in Mississippi? Well, it's a court that usually affects all of us folks are going to uh, come in contact with the Chancery Court most likely uh, during their life. I mean, we handle domestic relations matters. So if there is a divorce or a subsequent custody proceeding or a modification proceeding, if there is a paternity action, uh, we handle adoptions, we handle estate proceedings as well. So if there's a matter of probate, then that will go through the Chancery Court. We handle property law disputes. If there is a what we call a dispute involving real property, then that'll be handled by the Chantry Court. Um, we handle various appeals from administrative agencies. So if you get a, uh, a decision you don't like at the Department of Revenue, then it would come to the Chantry Court where we handle that as well. But the overwhelming majority of what we handle are domestic relations cases, which unfortunately a lot of people have experience in the Chantry Court with. And Judge, you, were talk you and I were talking before the show that you know a lot of people may never be in a, in a lawsuit involving maybe uh, suing over business matters or you know uh, personal injury actions, things like that. But, but as you mentioned, the, the court that they're most likely to, to come in contact with would be the Chancery Court. So it's, it's really an, an important court. And, and one of the things, go ahead, I'm sorry, please. No, I was gonna say, even if they're not a party to it, I'm sure that they've been called as a witness or they may have to be served uh, to serve as a witness in a case involving someone they know or love. So a lot of people will come in contact with our court. And, and one of the things that you, you work on and, and deal with is uh, name changes. And that's what we're gonna be uh, uh, Focusing on on name changes, so like you know, for example, somebody gets a divorce, they want to change their name. You know, they're in front of you. Uh, how does that 
process work? What steps do they need to take to change their name? Well, in different steps in different situations. You raised a common situation, and that is during the course of a divorce. A lot of times, uh, uh, someone may not want to have their last name changed from their maiden name because they might have children that they want to uh, maintain that same name. But a lot of times, uh, a, um, a ex-wife may want to revert back to her maiden name as her surname. And that is something that is frequently requested during the divorce proceedings that we also grant freely during the divorce proceedings. But it must be requested in order for a court to be able to order it. So that's one of the things that we wanna remind your listeners, many of whom may be attorneys, is if you're representing a, a female in a divorce that wants to revert to her maiden surname, make sure you request that relief uh, from the court. That's one situation where it may arise. We are gonna be talking about changing your name and how do you do that in Mississippi. You can send your questions to our email address, legal terms at mpbonline.org. We have a call. Let's go to Jackson and speak with Veronica. Veronica, we're glad you've called into In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Hi, thanks for having me, uh, Judge Odom, Professor Gershon. Um, it's just a strangest coincidence. I just got my name changed uh, with Judge Owens. I, uh, I just walked out of the courtroom and turned on NPR and heard this. Um, but my comment is I'm actually transgender and so my reason for changing my name is a little bit different than um, I guess some of the more common reasons um, but uh, it's something that you know a lot of people in the transgender community this is really important for us so I was assigned male at birth I mean I was born looking like a boy but I am uh, definitely a woman <laughs> and um, I changed my name to Veronica to reflect that um, I guess my question is, so going through this process, I, um, it was really straightforward for me to change my name. I found a website where I could get the petition drawn up and represent myself, um, and um, it was a lot harder to do a gender marker change. Um, it was uh, kind of confusing to even see what the law was, and it seemed like at one point it was possible to do that, and now it's not. Um, so. You know, as a, as a woman, looking like a woman, it's really difficult for me to pull out a driver's license and have an M for mail on it. It's just really inconvenient in public. So I guess my question is, what is the current law on that in Mississippi? And um, is there any way to change your gender marker on a driver's license and not just your name if you're transgender or gender nonconforming? That's a, that's a, that is an interesting question. Uh, you know, the common law and even the statutory law gives the Chancery Court the authority to change the name uh, of a person and even gives them the authority to have that change uh, marginally notated on the birth certificate. Uh, you know, I, I looked, because I knew this would probably be an issue raised. I looked for whether there was a, a law on changing of a gender on a birth certificate could not find one in the state of Mississippi I know that other states have that 
uh, I would imagine that would be a matter for the legislature if they're going to allow a change of a birth fact uh, on a um, on a vital record. Um, uh, it's possible that the Chantry courts have the uh, common law authority to enter that order um, changing a gender if in fact there is a, a different gender than that which was um, present at the time of birth um, but no there's not a statute in the state of Mississippi yet that I'm aware of reflecting the ability to change gender later in life Judge, okay. there is, there is though, um, I know on driver's licenses as of November 1st of 2021, uh, the Driver Service Bureau will change a gender marker on a driver's license or state ID upon receipt of a completed gender designation form. Uh, the form has to be filled out and signed by the applicant, by physician, therapist, psychiatrist, psychologist, or social worker, indicating that they, so, I mean, at least, I, I don't know if it applies to birth certificates, uh, but at least on driver's license for the caller, the, uh, the, I would talk to the Mississippi Driver Service Bureau. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't think that's a chance court matter at all. But uh, and that's it relatively new. Yeah, it wouldn't be. But when I was researching for the show, I did see where the uh, Department of Public Safety had that ability uh, or that available to individuals for their driver's license. Well, Veronica, this show happened right when uh, serendipitously when you needed it and you spoke into the universe that if Mississippi, the population of Mississippi would like to have that ability for our transgender community, then they need to contact their state uh, elected officials. We mention that on MPB all the time. Our laws are created by us. And when we don't like a law, it is up to us to contact our elected officials and let them know our feelings or run ourselves so that we can make those changes. And I'm so very glad that you were able to call to point this out. Thank you so much for calling in today. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Thank you. You can send us your email questions to our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're discussing changing your name in Mississippi. But what about naming children? We're going to learn just a little bit about that next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. This is In Legal Terms. Now, not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can go back and listen to the whole show from our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Now, many countries have a list of prohibited names and also a list of approved names. Uh, countries' rules might include you can't have a number or an emoji or be a military title or an offensive word or be the same name as a sibling. And uh, at least a dozen countries, including Germany, Spain, Portugal, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Morocco, Japan, and Malaysia, have baby naming laws. This morning, we're talking about changing your name in Mississippi with our guest, Chancery Court Judge Troy Odom. And we are off to a fantastic start with that first call, an individual who had just gone in and had their name changed and then got in the car and turned us on. Judge Odom, we are so glad uh, that the stars have aligned to have you on for this show. I always like to be places where the stars align. And I wanted to mention your last caller raised another common situation uh, dealing with name changes. Uh, Veronica, as an adult, wanted to change her name. Uh, I, I guess it was her first name that she wanted to change, uh, which is something that we commonly do in the Rankin County Chantry Courts. The courts have the common law ability to make that change so long as it's not for a fraudulent purpose, so long as the reason is satisfactory and consistent with the public interest. So adults, if they want to change, whether it's their first or their last name, have a relatively easy vehicle in order to do that, which Veronica, your last uh, caller, uh, highlighted. She was able to do it pro, uh, representing herself, which is always great that we can provide um, low-cost legal services in the Chantry Court. So I was, I was happy to hear that. So and, you know, we frequently get people that want to change their surname to represent uh, someone that's important in their life uh, or to honor somebody else, which we are always happy to do. Our uh, belief is if you're an adult, uh, then, uh, then, and it's not for fraudulent purpose or any other reason uh, against the public interest, then you're entitled to do it. This is America. 
So, Judge, if it would, I mean, what would a fraudulent reason would be? Would that be like if I was under, if, if I would, if they were looking to arrest me under a certain name and I decided I'll change my name so that I'll be a different person? Would that be, that would that be some reason to deny my name change? Absolutely. If you were on the sex offender registry list, you're not going to be able to change your name in order to avoid having to deal with the laws reflecting that. If you're trying to avoid a creditor by changing your name, if you're trying to avoid a warrant for your arrest, that those would be fraudulent purposes uh, uh, that the court would not allow a name change in that situation. Now, it, it seems like you know the name change uh, that happens under under state law and is great, and and you know then use that name on your driver's license and going forward on, on state documents. But there's more involved, really. So, uh, and I know the Chancery Court doesn't deal with Social Security or the IRS, but are, are there other things that people need to do uh, to change their name uh, in other systems? Oh gosh, well usually, if you look. Well, usually what you need in hand is that court order allowing the name change. And if you go to the Bureau of Vital Statistics or the Passport Office or the Department of Public Safety and need to get your name changed on an ID or a passport or something along those lines, usually what they tell you is bring that court order in hand. And that's really all you need from the court's perspective. So... Uh, the, the, the initial hump is just getting that order allowing the name change so that the federal government will then allow you to obtain that passport in your new name. Uh, but from what I've seen online, I've never had to do it myself, it should be a relatively easy process so long as you have a certified copy of that court order. Right, and the Social Security website looks like it's easy to navigate that way. and so. This is something that people need to think about. You know, they got to check other boxes besides uh, just their trip uh, to get the initial uh, name change. So, Veronica, you know, be sure to go into Social Security as well and other websites that uh, now can reflect your, your name. Judge Odom, we started off talking about one of the reasons someone might need to change their name was a, a divorce, and you pointed out that to if uh, someone wanted to change their last name or revert to a maiden name from a divorce and make sure that their attorney knows, is there, is that all done at the same time? Is there a, a window of opportunity to get that done during a divorce? What happens if the, the year after or three years after your divorce, you go, hmm, you know, I'd like to go back to uh, my maiden name is that is 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 changing your name after a divorce a different animal from changing your name on a thursday well it's not much of an animal to begin with it's a very easy process the deal is if you are asking for it during the divorce you have to give notice to your soon to be ex that you will be changing the name and sometimes people don't want to have to deal with that if that's going to be an issue and believe it or not ex-spouses can be difficult to deal with sometimes so many times folks will just go through the divorce not ask for the name change but at any point in time thereafter they can go back to the chancery court request the name change and at that point since they're an adult and they would be the only ones affected by that name change there's no need to notice anybody else including your ex 
So it just may be an easier process to do it that way, but at no point in time is it difficult. And to one other thing too is when people get married, you know, I think a lot of people assume that the, the woman must take the husband's last name or automatically takes the husband's last name. But um, my understanding is that's not the case. In fact, my wife has kept her, her last name. And uh, when we moved to Mississippi, um, a newspaper article said uh, his wife, the former Donna Levine, and we laugh about that because you know, she's still the same one. You know, she the current. <laughs> but uh, so is that, I mean, is that automatic when people get married that the last name of the uh, one of the spouses is, is changed to the other person's last name? No, that's a, a longstanding tradition in the uh, state of Mississippi and I guess in other areas in the United States. But one of the places where it is uh, mandatory is in a paternity action. Now, if a child was born and the father is not named on the birth certificate because perhaps it was not known or the birth mother didn't provide that information, uh, in a subsequent paternity action, there is a statute uh, that states that once the court adjudicates paternity, the surname of the child shall be that of the father. Now, there's exceptions to every rule, and even though that is the statute, there are, you know, cases that talk about, well, everything is governed by the best interest of the child standard. So if it would not be in the best interest of the child based on a preponderance of the evidence, then that statute wouldn't come into play and the child could keep the surname, uh, I assume, of the birth mother. We have a call. Let's go to Mobile and speak with Mikey. Mikey, we're so glad that you've called in today to In Legal Terms when our guest is Chancery Court Judge Troy Odom, and we're talking about changing your name in Mississippi. Go ahead, Mikey. Well, I'm not in Mississippi, um, but I, I have a story, and thank you. This is such a great program, as usual. Um, I have a story about my own experience um, in which— uh, uh, married briefly uh, in terms of what I consider marriage, you know, a number of years, but um, disabled after the end of that, um, divorced immediately um, for other reasons, not connected with the disability. Um, and in the interim, I bought the first car that I've ever bought that was new, and the only car that I've ever bought that was new. Um, and uh, my husband, my ex-husband, my former husband, still my friend, um, was the person who went down to do, because I was having some problems with getting around, um, was the person who went down and he put things in the married name. Now, I had never used the married name for any of my career things, uh, business things, associations, whatever. Um, but for for a number of years, I just kept because I just kept letting it roll over, you know. I didn't realize, and then I had a guy come up to me um, who apparently was a new associate of his years and years later, after he had already remarried, um, who was saying, you know, that car looks just like the one that my buddy is talking about that he lost in a divorce. And I said, no, I'm the original owner. <laughs> Anyhow, I went down to the courthouse, and it took a while. The, the ladies down there, as usual, they are so patient with stuff. But it took her a while to figure out that what they had to do 
to get it in, you know, to get that was the only record at all that I had in that married name, and that's because he had put it in that married name, um, uh, surname. And, uh, <laughs> you know, she said, well, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to sell your vehicle to you for zero and <laughs> and then re-record it in the name that you've got all your, you know, which is my maiden name, okay? <laughs> Thanks, Mikey, for that story. Yeah, there are all sorts of different reasons and for changing names and different things that can, can happen with that. That is our topic today. You can email us your questions about changing your name to our address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking with guest Chancery Court Judge Troy, Judge Troy Odom, who uh, Professor Gerson and I like to follow on Twitter about legally changing your name. So what if there's a regime change in your country? Sometimes everybody has to change their name. I'm going to share that story with you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. chalkboard chat it's an mpb education podcast it's a variety show providing information and resources for teachers students parents guardians and everyday people on various topics it's learning something new with every publication chalkboard chat find the podcast or listen from chalkboardchat.mpbonline.org You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast or find MPB Think Radio recordings at mpbonline.org slash radio. So here's the story. In the Democratic Republic of Congo in the early 1970s, the president prohibited the use of Christian first names. Citizens all had to replace their Christian first names with one or more ancestral names. But however, in the 1990s, this directive was abolished and the population could use their Christian first names again, but not for official identification purposes. So consequently, Christian first names could not appear on official documents or registers. So in other words, they could only be used in daily life. However, when a different leader came to power in 1997, Christian first names could be again used on official documents and registers. And I'm so glad we don't have any of that kind of change here in the good old U.S. of A. This morning, we're talking about changing your name in Mississippi with our guest, Chancery Court Judge Troy Odom. We do have a phone call. We've got Amy from Jackson who's on the line. Amy, we're glad you've called in to in legal terms today. What's your comment or question? 
Good morning. Um, I love all of the shows on MPB, and this one is very interesting today. Justice defines even more how lucky we are in the United States that we don't have so many constraints on things like names. Um, my question is not really about changing my name, but it's kind of related, I think. Um, I was adopted when I was younger. My mother died when I was a baby. And so when I was adopted legally, the name on my birth certificate of my mother was changed to my stepmother. Can I change that back to my mother's name? I know, that seems silly, but, you know, there's a reason. Um, and also, do, in order to do that, do I have to have a lawyer, or is it something I can just do on my own? Uh, the answer to your questions are, yes, you can uh, have it changed. They won't actually change the actual birth certificate line where it says surname to the what they do is they marginally notate it so i'm sure on your birth certificate there is a marginal notation reflecting the adoption uh, and so there will be another marginal notation reflecting uh, your desire to name to change your name back to your birth mothers and in order to do that just like our earlier caller veronica she was able to do it without the need for a attorney uh, you don't have to have an attorney representing you whenever you do it. Now, it may be easier for you to do so if you have the financial means, since they know exactly how to do it. But there are forms that you can use that are available to uh, individuals that would like to represent themselves. Uh, to do what you're asking to do, one of the things you must do is serve process on the Department of Human Services uh, Registrar of Vital Statistics because they there's a statute that requires them to be named as a party and to be served with process when you're seeking to uh, change your surname. That may be a complicated process. Now, Judge Odom, she wasn't, I don't think she was wanting to change her name. She was wanting yeah. to change the name of the mother on the birth certificate. She wanted to not have the adoptive mother on the birth certificate. She wanted to have the birth mother uh, retroactively put back on the birth certificate. Correct. Uh, Thank you for that clarification. It's like well, she wanted to remove the sidebar note about the adoption. All right. Uh, thank you for the clarification. I'll make sure I want to answer the correct uh, question. Uh, the same statute that I was talking about, uh, uh, 4157.23 of the Mississippi Code, still allows for the Chantry Court uh, to uh, change other matters on the birth certificate. So it would just be a matter of uh, bringing that to the court's attention through a petition and just like a surname change uh, request that the adopt the uh, natural mother uh, be reflected on that birth certificate as well uh, you would file that petition in the chancellor court state your case to the respective chancellor and uh, hope that you would get an, an order from that chancellor doing so and then it could be provided to the bureau of vital statistics who would then note that on the birth certificate so that would be the, the method that you would go through to make that okay thanks judge i appreciate your help thanks liz y'all have a great day 
Thank you, Amy. We're so glad you called in. How interesting it is to learn the various reasons someone might want to change their name. If you would like to share your experience or if you have a question, this is your chance. Apparently, it's a pretty easy process. We're so glad that Judge Troy Odom is here to let us know what you need to do at the Chancery Court of your county or your Chancery area to let us know how you can change your name. And what an interesting question that was. In three and a half years, I had not had that raised in this court, but it seems like a valid way to honor uh, uh, your mom uh, in a situation. So uh, I'm surprised that it hadn't come up before, uh, but I think that that would be the way that she would go about doing it, just like she would a name change. You know, Judge, I, you know, you, one of the, you deal with divorces and you deal with uh, probate, and those are typically sadder kinds of issues for people, but you also deal with adoptions and name changes, which I, I think are probably the happier things that happen in your court, um, mostly. And uh, so, uh, and, and so I, 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 that, you know, those are, I always remember my students when they got to participate as third year law students in helping people adopt children. Those are always happy occasions for for everyone involved, uh, but you know it doesn't always work out. And so, uh, Amy, maybe call honoring her birth mom is a great one. Yeah, um, and we 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 go through the destruction of the of the family unit so often in the court. It's nice to have a situation where you can actually put together a family unit. So you're right; adoptions are always. Uh, wonderful uh, occasions in the Chancery Court. We have a call from Gulfport. Let's find out what Lisa would like to ask on In Legal Terms today. Lisa, go ahead with your comment or question. So my question is along the same lines as the last caller, but a little different. So I found out at the age of 62 that the person I thought was my birth father was not my birth father. Um, and that was found out through DNA testing, and then, you know, then there was <laughs> then there was a discussion where the real truth came out. Um, and so I know who my birth father was, and I'm wondering similarly if that's something that could be changed on a birth certificate. Well, I don't know that the facts existing at the time of the birth can be changed. They can make a marginal a marginal notation in the on the birth certificate to reflect a court order to that effect. But uh, it's it's hard to describe. But the Bureau of Vital Statistics in the state of Mississippi takes a position of uh, this is a sacred document that is created at the time of birth. So gender, name, uh, time of birth, date of birth, parents that are noted on there are, are there for good, are memorialized for good. And we can make marginal notations to note changes in it. Um, so I would imagine that would be one of those instances since it occurred so far after various statute of limitations and repose have run that you could change or alter the actual birth certificate other than through a marginal notation, but it can still be okay. done through a court order. So is this just uh, true of Mississippi documents? Because I was not born in the state of Mississippi, or is that true all over the United States? Oh, this is one of those uh, topics that 
each individual state is allowed to make their own laws on. So, yeah, it's going to be a little bit different in Alabama or Louisiana or any other state, uh, I would imagine. Miss, I can only uh, speak to Mississippi law. It may be a completely different situation in a different state. Oh, so if, if she got her birth certificate in a different state, she would need to go through whatever that state's process for amending a birth certificate? Right. I don't have any jurisdiction to tell Alabama to amend a birth certificate. In Mississippi, right. if you're not a resident of the state of Mississippi, but your birth certificate, you were born here, then you can simply file a petition in any county, in any Chantry Court County uh, in the state of Mississippi. They, they make it, they try to make it easier for non-residents. Okay, so that would be the reverse for me. I'm a, st I'm a resident of Mississippi, but my birth certificate is from another state. Okay. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, thank you for that information. Appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. We are getting the interesting questions today. Let's go to Crystal Springs and see what Gail has a question or a comment about with Judge Troy Odom. We are putting him through the paces. Gail, we're glad you've called in. What's your comment or question? Hi, Judge Odom. I am, because my, I go by my middle name, my first name is now used because I have Medicare. And so I go into several doctor's offices and they're calling me another name. And so I'm wondering if I were to change my name legally, would that also, would I have to do something to keep Medicare, change Medicare, Social Security or whatever so I don't have to go by this name I've never gone by? In legal terms, what's your name? Where you that's a That's a great question. Right, and. I am not familiar with the process that Medicare would require you to go through in order to have it reflected in their system. But if it's like any other uh, Social Security Administration or the Department of Public Safety, uh, you would need to have that order in hand, a certified copy of that order in hand for them to make that change in their system. I, assuming that Medicare would do that. Okay, that's, that's, that's a very simple answer. Thanks. Sure. And, and as someone who goes by his middle name, I, I go by my middle name. I hate my first name. My first name is Ira, and uh, I am a tax person, and you can't be a tax person and also be Ira. So, but I get, you know, I just tell my doctors at some point, please, my preferred name, and most of them will let you give their preferred name, and that might be the easier thing to do. Uh, it's just to kind of let people know that you prefer to go by your middle name as opposed to having to go through that process because then you got to think about once you change your name you also have to think about credit reports and everything else um so a lot, lot involved yep a lot involved in addition to attorney's fees and court costs uh that you would have to think about let's go to find out what's up in tupelo con is called in what is your comment or question today con uh, uh and of course he changed my name um we are having a very, very hard time to hear you, Con. Is there a way that you can make your phone call a little clearer? Okay. Is that any better? That's fantastic. Thank you. Now, Penny, like I said, he changed my name. Uh, it's Tom. Oh, Tom. <laughs> okay. Um, evidently, my earbud was dying, so I swapped to the other one. Um, my curiosity question would be on, uh, like, legal recognition of a nom de plume or stage name uh, where, you know, you're keeping your privacy by not using, you know, your legally birth 
name, but you're publicly known by another. Like, say, you wrote a book and you used a pseudonym, or, 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 um, for example, the big, the big, uh, famous one is Mort Gordon Matthew Sumner. Nobody knows him by that name. He stings. You know. It, so what? What all has to be in place for like legal recognition of a of a second identity? I guess you'd say of the public identity. Didn't didn't Prince actually go to a court in Minnesota and have his name changed to whatever that was? To a, to in order to have it legally recognized, you're still going to have to have that order in place. Right. Otherwise. I can go to you know my local McAllisters and tell and have them call me Frank, uh, all all I want. Uh, you know Stephen King did that with Richard Buck as well. He never had his name legally changed, but he sure enough went by that to see if he could sell more books. Um, for example, like if I signed a document for like uh, I don't know a recording contract or book publishing or something, and I'm signing it with that. I mean, how do they go about tying the two together so that I, you know, I'm still, it's still me, it's just not under the, quote, legal name. But I am going to just guess and tell you that in situations where somebody wants to publish a book anonymously, which they want to do all the time, Simon Rusty, uh, yeah. there's probably a separate contract entered into by the author and the publishing company indicating that they will only refer to them by this pseudonym and uh, are prevented from telling anybody about it. Ooh, that's what happened with J.K. Rowling. She decided to publish a book, one of her spy novels, under a different name, but then the wife of one of the attorneys knew who her name was and let it released, and boy, was she mad, and didn't they have to pay some money? Yeah. Well, I kind of I kind of realized I thought about it when I saw how like you can have a corporation, but then you have a DBA doing business as and, you know, nobody refers to the company by their corporation name. They refer to it by the brand, I guess you'd say the, um, you know, um, the, the well, more well-known or, or, or advertised name. Yeah, if you want to go get a sandwich at Nukes, you go to Nukes. You don't go to their corporate name. You go to their what DBA. I see what you're saying. Well, maybe recognition is really about recognition. You know Sting. Everybody knows Sting. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, he, did, he did do a uh, – one of his albums was Sumner's Tales, Tim Sumner's Tales, but using his real name. But uh, um, so um, – yeah, I, I think we just recognize those those people by, by that name. Thanks. Yeah, that man was in the original Dune. If he asked me to call him Sting, I'm calling him Sting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tom, for calling in today. We take your questions at our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. What are some popular baby names in the U.S.? I'm going to tell you how you can find out. You're listening to the Mississippi Authority for Educational Television doing business as MPB.
Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are most of our local shows. Our host is Professor Ira Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I am Elizabeth Gill. At 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. So in the Social Security Administration, they have they keep up with baby names because you have to apply for a Social Security number to get a tax deduction for your child. So they have just released their uh, completion compilation of the most popular baby names for 2021. It is a very fun search engine to kind of play around with. Their website is ssa.gov. We're talking with Chantry Court Judge Troy Odom. We're talking about changing names. And on the show information for this show, I'm going to have a great piece of paper from the Mississippi ACLU. It's on Mississippi name change guidelines. Procedures may vary by county, but step one is go to the Chancery Court. Contact the Chancery Court where you live to start your process. And Leslie, I'm glad you know my first English name, but uh, I have another name, too. I have a Hebrew name. It's Yitzhak. Ravine. I won't make you try to pronounce that. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, we're given a totally separate name at birth, uh, actually, uh, for males, eight days after birth. I was named Yitzhak Ravine. Um, so, uh, but Judge, let's switch uh, focus if we can from names to uh, probate because we got a tweet at us uh, last night um, with a question, and it's, uh, is, is there any precedent for sealing in a state case, uh, because there's some uh, news about possibly sealing in a state case, and how would it be administered without notice to creditors, third parties, and how would real title be transferred if it was sealed? So how would that sealing even work? Well, I'm, uh, to answer the first question, I'm sure there is precedent, because I know of probate proceedings that have been sealed before by other chancery court judges. Uh, if there is a reason, a very good reason for it, uh, then I can imagine that a, a chancellor would want to seal a probate proceeding. I, I have not, I've not been presented with a case that required it. Uh, the public is entitled uh, to uh, public records and the public is entitled uh, to know exactly what we're doing in their court system to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing as chancery court judges. And one of the main ways that the public can do that and satisfy themselves that we're doing the right job is by making it public. So, but there are certainly situations, as you can imagine, where we are required uh, or can choose in our discretion to seal proceedings if the private rights are, are uh, outweigh the, the public's interest. 
that sexual abuse of a children of child is is uh, commonly a situation where we seal proceedings because of the protection of the children uh, but in a situation where a a probate proceeding a will or a uh, an estate is sealed it's not sealed to interested and necessary parties creditors of course would be a necessary party to a probate proceeding so you still would notify creditors in the same manner as provided under the statutes by uh, filing an affidavit uh, identifying all known creditors and making sure that you have sent notice to them uh, to file their probate claim and also by publishing in the newspaper uh, for those creditors and just because the case is sealed doesn't mean that the names and the cause number is sealed it's just that the pleadings inside of it are sealed so you can still publish in the newspaper the names of the individuals and the the, the cause number what well, was there a third part to that question that i failed oh, i think i think you answered it perfectly josh thank you and i think that's that's it i mean so yeah i mean the general public i guess if you seal a record uh, the general public won't be able to see that information but the, the parties still have to be able to see that information absolutely and i don't like I don't like sealing anything because it's supposed to be public, even though a lot of what we're dealing with is nobody's business. But Thank it's you. Still well, I'm, we've run out of time. We've run out of time. Thank you. I Chancery. will talk all day, Liz. <laughs> Chantry Court Judge Troy Odom, we appreciate you. Wow, what an interesting show we've had today. But they're all interesting. But this one was kind of kind of out there, kind of interesting. We want to thank uh, Java Chapman and Jay White for helping us put on our show. And so for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. We want you to join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for MPB Think Radio in Legal Terms. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.